Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Front and Nationwide podcast. This is already episode three. Can't believe it. Allison Lucan is uh, with us. Allison, say hello to the fine people. Hello, everyone from Traverse City. Yes, Aaron Portsign here with The Athletic. We are in Traverse City. You may even hear the waves crashing <laughs> and the odd seagull in the background. Um, oh, it's just, it's a, it's kickoff to the season, if I may borrow a football phrase for a hockey statement and here we are um we'll get to traverse city a couple of housekeeping uh details to get to here they're so excited about this podcast the athletic that they have created its own discount if you're listening to this and you're thinking maybe i want to subscribe well now's your time uh, there's a free seven-day trial and 30 percent off the annual plan you get allison lukey and you get tom reed you get myself but you also get National hockey writers, you get writers from all over the country doing their teams. National writers, as I said, you get all of the sports. You get all of the markets if you buy one subscription. You get it all through The Athletic. So the fire up theathletic.com slash front and nationwide. That's A-N-D, front and nationwide. And get that seven-day trial and a 30% off the annual plan. Uh, Allison first things first, we'll talk Traverse City and sort of lead into that. Uh, but news from the Blue Jackets yesterday. This had been coming for a while. We've discussed it. Uh, it's been it's been uh, kicked about a little bit. We knew it was coming. Uh, but it is now official that John Davidson, president of hockey operations, Yarmo Kekalainen, general manager, and Bill Zito, the now associate general manager, 
uh, were given multi-year extensions on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday. What day is today? Oh, Alice? yesterday. Today? No. Thursday. It's yesterday. It happened Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. Uh, it may have been done Tuesday, but they announced it on Thursday. <laughs> um, so that that keeps the top three in the Blue Jackets hockey operations department. Those guys have been here. They sort of staggered their arrival here. Davidson first, Kekalainen a few months later, and Zito a few months after that. But they've been here now since well into 2013. Uh, best stretch of play the Blue Jackets have ever experienced. And those three will be kept together now for at least a few years to come. Not sure the terms. We're working to get that. The club's been very secretive about that for some reason. Um, but anyways, these guys are going to be uh, part of this for a while. Stability is a big key uh, to this, especially for, I think, small market teams. Um, tell me how you may have received the news on Thursday when it popped. Yeah, you know, I think first and foremost, it's like we talk about with all of these players and front office personnel. When when you're going into the last year of, a, of an existing contract, it's always nice to to get this kind of business done before that season starts. It's it's not only security and continued stability, like you mentioned, but it it just removes that question mark and takes one less thing you have to worry about off the table. I um I was really pleased to see it, and I think that. What, what's been interesting to me in watching some of the reaction is I think maybe the reaction is a little subdued because they of what they have created. I think that yeah. this fan base has grown so significantly under their leadership because of the success that they have fostered that that some of this fan base may not remember maybe some of the more lean years um, before this group came in. And I think for for those who do remember that, what this group has done, not just for this team and its performance on ice. I love the stats you were putting out there about wins with, with Yarmo, et cetera, but um, around the league. I mean, when John Davidson came in, I mean, I think we all just kind of remember there was kind of an exhale because now this, this organization was starting to get an right. identity um, that was trusted in the hockey community. And so I think that um, this is definitely a positive, um, both from a business perspective and a reputation perspective for the organization. Yeah, it's funny. Two years ago, they had their contracts extended the exact day yeah. under far different circumstances. That's right. That's um, right. I mean, they were coming off two non-playoff seasons. Worse than that, they were dead last in the Metro. Uh, that was the season they started 0-8, and, and the season was over before you put Turkey in dressing on your plate, which is unthinkable in the NHL. They fired a coach, and then a few months later, the season's starting up again, and they get the extensions. I think people then went, whoa, well, really? Like, yeah. really? Now, I think the, the news Thursday was almost met with a yawn, not, and not in any level of disrespect to those guys, but just, well, yeah, of course you're going to keep these guys. Right, um, right. Zico has interviewed – with at least two places, Minnesota, Buffalo, over the last couple of years. I think there's an assumption that at some point he's going to get a bigger role with the team. Um, but right now, uh, these guys are here, and, and they complement each other. I talked to Mike Priest this morning. I'll post these comments later on the Athletic website. Um, but what he, what he mentioned he liked about this is how they complement each other, how John Davidson, as you, you mentioned, he has that calming presence of okay i'll get behind this guy this guy knows what he's doing uh and that settles everything down i love i mean just from a 
person who's watched how the, this has worked since it started, the idea of having a, a respected player like that between the GM and ownership, I just think has, it's like shocks on a car. Mm-hmm. It just, it just makes the ride that much smoother. Yarmo is, if you wanted a draft and develop guy, uh, he was an obvious choice as a, a, a you know, a, a very well-respected scout. Sure. The draft's been a mixed bag. It always is, but that is his, that is his forte is drafting and developing. And Zito steps right out of the agent world into uh, negotiating on the other side of the table. And you hear stories of negotiations have been tough with this team. They, things do get personal. Uh, but I think from ownership's perspective, they, you know, those guys all in a way represent management. They are sorry. They represent ownership and ownership likes the way that they have, um, you know, have represented them. So yeah. on with those guys. And I think, you know, it's um, I was uh, speaking actually with the high performance coach, uh, Nelson Iote, um, earlier this week for a story we'll have in the next couple weeks. And he even said he's like, you know, Yarmo is known for his draft and develop. But this group and particularly Yarmo has also really brought in some really innovative aspects to this organization. It's Yarmo who's who's really fostering the step into analytics that the organization has done. It's Yarmo who pushed in this concept and implementation of a lot of this high performance work with the athletes themselves. And and Nelson couldn't stop raving about him. And I, it's, it's really interesting. We hear and we see all those big themes of impact that you and I just addressed, but the tendrils of what they're doing deeper in the roots of this organization are, are significant as well. and, And pretty cool to learn about as these years are kind of, letting them do what they wanted to do. Yeah. I asked uh, John Davidson this yesterday. I couldn't get a hold of Priest yesterday, but I got him today. And I asked him, you know, you've got, there's a, there's a big deal brewing here with these blue jackets, a couple of them. Uh, and we've devoted the entire episode one almost to uh, Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky, both heading into the final years of their contracts, as you may have heard. Uh, <laughs> it did, did ownership say, you know, let's get through this rather momentous situation and see how we come out of this before we decide if we're going to stick with this crew or not? And JD's point on Thursday was, well, listen, ownership isn't just sitting and waiting to see how this turns out. They're involved at every level of this. Like mm. when you've got this significant of a situation they're involved and they, they want to know the conversations. They want to know if there's something they can do to step in. Um, so they, that's how John Davidson put it is that this isn't a wait and see for them. They're in it. And priest sort of echoed that today. Um, and just in his words that, and I'm paraphrasing that we trust these guys. We know that, that with every organization, there and even the ones that are really, really well run, um, it's unavoidable that there are going to be difficult situations with not easy answers. But you handle those not easy answers the best you can, and you move on. And they have full faith, Mike Priest's words, that JD, Yarmo, and Bill Zito are going to handle this in a way that is best. Uh, beneficial to the Blue Jackets. They like the way it's been handled already, frankly. Yeah. And though nothing's really happened, 
no bird, no bridges have been burned. Um, nothing has gotten hyper personal in a way that would prevent people from being able to walk back any feelings they may have. I, I mean, call me naive. I think there's at least a chance that Panarin comes into camp, sits down next to Cam Atkinson. Atkinson <laughs> gives the puppy dog eyes, says, why do you want to leave me, bro? Felino <laughs> comes over, puts his arm around him and says, what if I hug you instead of hugging Bob? Where does that leave us? Um, I'm being goofy here, but I just, I feel like maybe it's not out of the question that Panarin says, you know what? I'm fine. I'm fine. Let's just get it done. Um, there's been no sign of that so far, but I don't rule that out. That's what they're hoping for. Um, so maybe we see where it goes from here. Um, but I thought it was interesting that how they looked at that. Because I got more than a few people yesterday saying, well, why didn't they wait to see how this Panarin-Bobrovsky thing shakes down uh, before they decide to keep those guys? And clearly ownership thinks that those that the value of those guys is not going to be determined by this situation, good or bad. Yeah, and I and you know it's I think you and I and Tom were all talking about those situations again. We did a whole episode on it, but you know these to that point, the situations, particularly with Panarin, these are not situations where the leadership screwed up to create the situation, you know, and right. this, this isn't a standard thing that teams face this kind of a situation with particularly Panarin. So I think it makes sense for ownership to be saying what they're saying, because this is a weird, weird, weird thing that's going on. There's not a, a guidebook or a plan to follow in these kinds of situations because they just haven't been happening a lot in this league. Right. So, um, it all jives with me for sure, even given those two big question marks. Yeah, and and yet they are starting to happen more. Like you yes. saw Tavares last year, and I don't think anybody equates Panarin's place with the Blue Jackets to Tavares with the Islanders. There was a much more emotional uh, bent to that. But look at at Sagan in Dallas, mm-hmm. right? There are people like there's there are guys on a few teams here, significant players, and Sagan is a little bit different because I, I from what I understand he's He's wondering why the stars, why the stars haven't come to him. Right, right. Um, you know, so I mean, that's that's a curiosity. Uh, and you know, what the hell? Tell me why Panarin for Sigan can't happen. Ooh. I don't know, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's. Um, it, I don't think anybody says she's. They've screwed this one up. It's just how are they going to play these next? six months here right. what happens at the trade deadline um if they if they push this thing to the limit and you know they lose both players for nothing which is unfathomable then I th- they're gonna they'll be in for some criticism uh next offseason for sure um i let's if we, we were here for a reason traverse city michigan and it is beautiful is oh. it mid 70s it's it's perfect. It's Those the 70s. sky is blue. Let's see. It's yes. I'd have to pull it up, but gosh, it's just in this area of the country is. I mean, coming here for the hockey is great, but I must say this is a trip I look yeah. forward to every year because it's just beautiful up here. There's great food. There's great little neighborhoods and vineyards and golf and all kinds of stuff to do. So it's always nice to be back in Traverse. Yeah, this should be a golf vineyard. There probably is. We just don't know about it yet. Right. Lots of bad lies to be found there. Um, 
So the Blue Jackets start. Well, this is two twenty on Friday. The Blue Jackets open tonight, four o'clock in, in Chicago. Uh, it's an int- it's an interesting roster for these Blue Jackets, and these things always go in cycles, right? Like a couple years ago, the Blue Jackets were loaded. Yes. At the, loaded, one of two years in a row. Um, and yeah, I mean, you looked at the roster and you go, oh my God, like that, that is, holy smokes, what a roster. This roster, you go, boy, they got, you know, there's some jam up front. Um, what stood out to me Im- immediately upon seeing the roster, they have one defenseman here that's truly theirs. Everybody else is a free agent. Um, and that's not necessarily something that they've done wrong. Well, it's nothing, it's not anything they've done wrong. It's just the cycles of it, right? They've got a lot of their guys who normally would be here are are with them. Wierenski's in Columbus, is established in Columbus. Nudevaro is established in Columbus. So they've got the only guy that's that's truly theirs is Ryan Collins, the six foot five kid that that turned pro last year after I think three years in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, they've got seven guys here as free agent tryouts. So that that back end could be uh, could be quite the um, with the the uh, gong show this week, we'll see how they how they get it together. What jumped out to you, uh, Allison, when you look at this team and the way that it's comprised and how they might play? Yeah, you know, I I, I had the same kind of quick reaction you did too when I looked um, at at how many invites are on this team. But you know, then you remind yourself we just spent that time talking about what this front office has brought to this organization. A lot of their defensemen are in Europe or are playing in the NCAA. So they they are not going to be at a, at a tournament like this. So there's other factors kind of depleting out prospect proper talent, if you will. But but I always kind of like watching a team like this because these guys are playing for all the scouts that are up here. There's not just the Blue Jackets watching these guys. There's obviously scouts from across the league at tournaments like this. Sure. Um, so I, I think that introduces a little bit of fun. I think it's it's going to be interesting. I, I really am looking forward to seeing some of the guys here in a Blue Jackets jersey that we haven't been able to see play, but we've heard a lot about. Maxime Fortier, who was injured at development camp, signed obviously as a free agent during the season last year um, right. from the queue. And I want to see, you know, what what is he all about? We we saw Eric Robinson in one game. What what can he bring to the ice? Um, there, there's a couple little pops of talent here that I'm looking forward to see what they do because we literally haven't seen them hardly at all. Yeah, and I, I look at the four, the group of forwards. The one thing that's stumped, and I'm I'm planning to write about this either later tonight or for tomorrow. The thing that amazes me about this group is they have a ton of guys who are coming into first year pro. Yep. Right. And, and so like, it's, it's all a cycle and sometimes you know, it's almost like recruiting in college football. Sometimes right. you have like gap years where you're not going to be great. Um, thankfully this doesn't hit them at the pros, but for this, in terms of this, you know, maybe next year there, there will be several defensemen from their uh, drafts and their, and their organization. But you look at the forwards that are going to turn pro this year or at least I should say North American pro. Right. Uh, Jonathan Davidson jumps out. Mm-hmm. Maxime Fortier jumps out. Uh, I don't think Liam Foodie's going pro just yet, the first-round pick. Eric Robinson, for sure. Cole Sherwood, for sure. Kevin Stenland. Uh, and the guy who's not here but normally would be Vitaly Abramov, who's not playing, from our understanding, is simply as a precaution. 
right. uh, following offseason wrist surgery. So that was a pretty horrible team in Cleveland last year. Yeah. Uh, they could. Their two big problems were they couldn't score and they couldn't stop other teams from scoring. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> bad, bad mix. But they've got a whole lot of new blood. Yes. Talented new blood coming in. And there'll be some growing pains. It, that's tough to go. I mean, some of these guys, I'm looking at Jonathan Davidson's a 97 born. Yeah. They're all, all these guys turning pro. Robinson's 95. Sherwood's 97. And these guys are 21 years old. Um, and they're going to be stepping into a men's league. So there will be growing pains. But there is uh, the next wave now is hitting Cleveland. Very interested to see how these guys sort of sort themselves out here in the coming months. Absolutely. And, you know, it's this is also kind of a fun group in terms of this tournament from kind of the purity of the thing. Right. You know, every once in a while and, and it came down on the jackets during those stacked years we were talking about the repeat. But, you know, this is meant to be a prospect tournament and the teams that come in loaded with the guys who've all been coming for you know all those years that that'll get some grumbles from the, from the purists who come to a tournament like this. And so this is it, it, to be a little sappy about it. This is a bit of an homage to what these tournaments are supposed to be about and, yeah. and have some fun with it. Watch some guys show what they can do and, and see what they can make out of it, either prepping to join the organization professionally, like you mentioned, or end up signing with someone who sees them play this weekend. Uh, one of the great joys of this tournament is listening to general managers talk about it's really not if you win or lose. Yes. Right. And then, yes. then the puck drops and it's about if you win or lose. <laughs> like they absolutely carry themselves a little higher up if their team's playing well in the championship game and their name gets scrawled up there old school. Love that board. Yes. The old school yes. board where the names are painted up there. They absolutely want to do well in this tournament. Uh, and it's great. Yeah, like you talked about earlier, the guys that are drafted, they come to this tournament and they want to impress their team. Um, I think that's their focus. I don't think most kids at 19 years old are quite savvy enough to say, you know, even if I don't impress my team, maybe in two years if I get traded, one of these guys will be impressed. They want to impress their team and work up the organizational ladder. I spoke to, I don't think he'd mind, Jared Bowl. Uh, we texted today. He said he was jealous because he would love to come to Traverse City and he'd love <laughs> to He said, but what those kids don't understand is you can, this is, this is it. Like, he made the team his rookie year out of this tournament. Right. Blew people away in this tournament. And that's how he got went straight to the NHL that first year. Um, that can happen too. Rare, but it can happen. But the other kids, all those free agents, and most teams have 8, 10, 12 of these guys, the fill-in guys, um, they, you better believe they're playing for the scouts up there in the rafters, not just the team that they're wearing the sweater for. Uh, they're playing for an opportunity. And that's why these games can have, have the potential uh, to delight, but drive coaches crazy, but delight because there's a lot of individual performance going on, um, subtle sometimes, but there are players that are trying to state their best case may, rather than just simply um, lead to winning. Right. And right. you see some wild stuff, uh, very energetic <laughs> games. Absolutely. And it's, you know, the other thing that, as you've talked about, you know, kind of the, the champion board and, and the things around the rink, it's, you know, come October 3rd and October 4th, that this is when things get really hardcore serious. But this is just such a nice ramp up because it's a small little rink, two two sheets, 
And you just are kind of surrounded by what makes the passion for this sport so strong. There's parents, there's scouts, there's management. You know, I I remember talking to some Jackets fans who were up here a few years ago and happened to see Hitch, who was no longer in Columbus, but came over to say hi because he saw more Columbus gear. You know, you're you're in your hotel with a, a parent of an invite who's just thrilled to see his kid get the chance. And this isn't just a traditional tournament, play the games, write about the games. There's, there's a lot of really neat moments happening for a a lot of good people who are just here trying to, trying to find their way into, to a professional hockey role. Yeah. I remember Chris Chelios walking up the steps and turning left into the main area between the two rinks a couple of years ago. And you could hear the, Oh, (laughs) exactly. In the whole room. Like, Oh my God. That's jellies. Yeah. Um, you're among the, you're among the people here. Yep. Um, the greats are, uh, so, you know, we're, let's see, what's that place called? Seven monks, seven monks. Yes. Seven monks, Saturday, 8 PM. If you're up here in Traverse city and you're a hockey fan, we'll try to maybe wrangle some, some other writers here up here too. Um, and, uh, maybe have a pint or a couple of pints on Saturday night. It would be great to see y'all. Where can people watch these games if they're if they're still in Columbus and not able to make it up to Traverse City? For sure, we're uh, Fox Sports Go is going to be broadcasting the games. Uh, do not expect live commentary. Um, that's usually not a thing that happens unless it's a game with Detroit. Um, this is obviously um, where the Detroit Red Wings have their. Tr- uh, training camp as well so there's they get a little bit extra here um compared to the other teams but fox sports go um do be aware sometimes that signal can drop inside those cement walls the wi-fi is sometimes great um but it they should all be broadcast there download the app check out the games so you're saying rimmer won't be doing the play-by-play he will not be doing the the play-by-play what is he doing right now? Is he, does he do anything this time? Is he just resting up and having honey and lemon slices? I think he's sitting on the beach in Florida preparing, you know, gathering up that energy. You know, the worst thing is he's going to listen to this and there's going to be a deluge of tweets or text. <laughs> we will get ravaged for it. What are we thinking? All right. Anything else we need to add? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. Well, this was great. A reminder, theathletic.com slash front and nationwide front A-N-D nationwide that's a seven-day trial 30 percent off the annual plan uh special thanks to david cook at david cook music uh for that fantastic entrance music and the the uh music that allison's going to close us out with thanks for listening to us this was uh episode three of front and nationwide and we'll be back with you tuesday uh for a full-on wrap of traverse city we're going to get a a national prospects expert uh, Corey Pronman is going to join us uh, for a full wrap on Traverse City. So that should be interesting. And then we'll be back again on Friday for the start of training camp. So Tuesday, Friday, that's the rhythm of this thing. Uh, thanks for listening to us, and we will talk to you soon.